Get out the way. Spider-Man coming through. Flick of my wrist, my web slings through the room. My spidey sense is tingling. I'm too busy buying Pepsi. Snapping flicks at Daily Bugle. It's depressing. Kinda get tired swinging on monkey bars. I wanna use my web, but eh, I'ma just get a car. You're not like me. They don't know who you are. Spider-Man taking a break in 5, 4, 3, 2. This right here is Spidey. All the girls, they scream for help. But I don't pay them attention. This right here is my Spider-Man swag. Spider-Man swag. Spider Episode 140 for June 2011. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices, and they have discounts that start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price. An example of their great prices is on the Green Goblin Lighter Shade of Green trade paperback. This one collects the very underappreciated Goblin series from the 1990s. Tom DeFalco was the writer, and Phil Urich takes up the costume and tries to be a hero. This one collects Web of Spidey 125, Spider Spidey 225 and Green Goblin number 1 to 13. That's all they did of that series. And it clocks in at 392 pages. The cover prize is 40 bucks. Mail order has it for just $24.79, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Welcome back, gang, to our second show for June. We're joining this show as we continue with reviews of Amazing Spider Man. Spidey. Okay, we're moving on to Amazing 661. Uh, this is not written by Mr. Slatter. It's written by Mr. Christos Gage and Riley Brown on artwork. Basically, Spider-Man becomes a substitute teacher to the Avengers Academy. Stella, did you like this one? Pro and con. Um, It was a little better than the other one. I, I, I like the idea of Spider-Man being a mentor to a group of young superheroes, but I don't know if he was really the right person to lead a group of at-risk teens. I, I feel like someone from the X-Men would have been better, just because, I mean, mutants, they know... You know, being uh, cast away from the public eye and having issues and anger issues, that'd be a good one for Wolverine or something. So I feel like that would be a good one. Um, I did enjoy the conversation, though, but between uh, Carly and Peter about his doubts as a teacher. That's something that I've encountered. That's something that all teachers have encountered. So I thought that was kind of written for real life. As my con, I would say it's the pure randomness of the story. You know, Spider-Man is thinking about teaching again right at the beginning, and then all of a sudden, uh, as a nice plot device, Ant-Man pops up randomly in the <laughs> middle of a battle, and then he says, uh, you know, why not come back and and teach? So I just thought, wow, this is strange. You know, if you really want Spider-Man to teach again, why don't you just let Peter Parker be a teacher instead of having this group of teens? I would give this a B. Okay. And, you know, previously I thought I skipped someone when I really just skipped myself. Uh, I didn't give my, oh, my wow. grade to 660. I'd give it a D, which is the lowest of the grades of anybody, in, it seems, this time. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah. I, along the same lines, very confused. Uh, I don't know who half these people are. Why are they in my Amazing Spider-Man comic when they should be in a Fantastic Four comic? Spider-Man had to fight to be in his own book by having a one panel where he has a giant purple web saying, quote, I'm still Spider-Man and saving people is what I do, but I only do it in about uh, half of the pages of my own book. 
Uh, Sinister Six is one of my favorite bad guys of all time. I had no idea what their agenda was, uh, etc. That's a lot of cons. Pro, I thought the, the costume changing was cool. The cane thing in the correct drawn costume was neat. That's about it. D out of me on that one. Uh, 661JR, what do you think of, uh, him having more Marvel team-ups in 661? <laughs> well, I I, uh, I share Mr. Bailey's chagrin yep. uh, at uh, Spider-Man always having to, um, you know, seems like he's sharing his book yep. these days way too much. But um, I like part two of the story better than I like part one. But I actually kind of liked I kind of liked this story for the concept because, you know, Spider-Man, he's this is where he's drawn on the sum of his experiences, you know. And, and this is where I, I can't remember which of your reviewers made this comment. It's not original because you keep firing reviewers, you know, so often these days. Like like J. Jonah Jameson did secretaries back after Betty married Ned. There you go, Bertoni. Uh, but uh, uh, nice. holy cow, I'm so old. I just forgot where I was going with this. But uh, so you're insulting but, me. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh yeah. How, how, how's Mel Carnahan doing oh, for you damn. these days? Anyway, damn. Uh, but no, I. It, but it's funny, Marvel, they, they, you know, Tom Brevoort gave us this, you know, we want him to be young. And Marvel says, we want Spider-Man to be young. So what do they do? They put him in a situation where he feels old. You know, they, they put him in a situation where he's having to draw on these years of experience to a younger generation. And it's like, okay, is Spider-Man old or is he young? Uh, but as far as what I like, I like the older, more mature Spider-Man. I like, you know, and, and I think, you know, I can't, you know, I, I do think he is a good, a good person to teach at-risk kids because he's been such a screw-up his whole life. You know, I mean, he can honestly say, look, look, as I screwed this up, I screwed that up, but I learned from it. You know, I mean, unlike Wolverine, you know, who, you know, I can see Wolverine getting in front of a, a group of kids and saying, what, you think your life's hard? What about mine? You know, it's like. You know, it's, you know, and then he'd walk out or something, yeah. or you know, man up or something. I mean, but uh, so I, I like Spider-Man sharing the benefits of his experiences. I like, I kind of like the idea they were pointing out some things that he hadn't thought of, things which kind of really make sense when you think about it. You know, why don't you get rich, give your money to charity, and fight hunger instead of go beat up another clown dressed in a circus costume? No doubt, that's that was a, a great, that was the best it. line of the whole book. I thought that's a great, yeah. that's a great question. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like. The, the idea of this story, the execution was a little weak, you know, the spy, you know, Spider-Man saying, oh, I was a, te-, you know, pushing so hard that he was a teacher and, and like Stella said, you know, Ant-Man just kind of shows up, you know, but I guess if you're going to have someone punch out a giant gorilla, I guess you want it to be another giant guy. Um, well, Ant-Man's the but, teacher in that book, Avengers Academy, I, so. Well, well, that would make yeah. sense then, so. Uh, and then, of course, Psycho Man shows up, and at least he's got an iPad. He used to remember when he used to carry around a big traffic light. You <laughs> yeah, know, it was like, why? Why is this guy carrying around a big traffic light? Did, didn't you, know, you watch Star Trek? They uh, had tricorders. I mean, come on now. <laughs> so I, I first I first saw this guy in an issue of, um, of Micronauts back when uh, Bill wow. Mantlo was writing it. And, uh, it's so like. And, and, yeah, and he, uh, the Fantastic Four guest starred, and there's this big guy, and it's like, Jesus, why is he got a big traffic light? But anyway, I, I, gave, I gave this story a C plus. I think the idea is good. I think it pays off better the next issue. A little bit awkward this time around, so I, I give it a C plus. Bertoni, what do you like? You like this one? I like the art, and I talked about when we did the last issue how the uh, Fantastic Four kids were basically just window dressing. We had no idea who they were. Uh, 
here it's the opposite. Yeah. I, I think that I've never read Avengers Academy, and this gave me a pretty good idea of who all these kids were, and not, not just with those introduction pages that Giant Man gave, but also when we see them and how they act out in the field and everything. That was a pretty good introduction. I'm not going to buy Avengers Academy, but I could see this would get people interested in buying the book. Mm-hmm. What I didn't like was... The very beginning of this book, just how whiny Spider-Man is, he's like, ooh, can I teach the class? Oh, you'd be a distraction. Distraction? <laughs> oh, I'm not, do you really think I'm a distraction? And then, and then, like, they basically say, shut up, we need to fight this giant gorilla. And then while they're fighting the gorilla, Spider-Man's saying to the thing, Dan, do you think I'm a distraction? Do you think Reed's right? <laughs> and then Giant Man comes, and then, like, everyone's just basically, you know, pooping on Spider-Man, like, why, you'd be the perfect person. We use you as an example of what not to do because you're such a failure. Yeah. And then just to drive the point home, well, I, I sure hope you're up to the task, Spider-Man. These kids are so at risk that if you have one bad day with them, it'll make the difference between them becoming Captain America or Red Skull. <laughs> so, yup, if you screw this up, we're all pretty much fucked. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they just laid it on so thick, and that was that. That was my big problem with this with this book. Just Spider Man, like, oh, I'm the distraction. He doesn't shut up about the distraction thing. Like when he's fighting, he's like, one distraction coming up. Like, just shut up already. <laughs> What's your grade? D. D. Okay. Wow. wow. Stella, did you, yeah. did you like it? Um, is this the same oh, one? Six, six, we already did you, didn't we? Did, okay. Yeah. Boy, am I getting confused. <laughs> JR, I need to take some medication. My goodness. Uh, I'll give this one a B. Uh, the bet, the pro is the writing. I thought the writing was pretty, uh, witty. I, I, I'll, I'll read the line that JR and I both like. Spider-Man says, I guess, but I also couldn't get paid without telling them my real name to put on a check. And then, uh, what's the guy with the, the black suited powers? I forget what his name is. Anyway, he goes, why didn't you set up a limited liability corporation, run it through some shell companies to hide the trail and have them pay you under your business name? Spider-Man LLC, problem solved, and you even save on your taxes. And Spider-Man pauses and says, who wants to go on patrol? So I thought, writing like that is witty. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I like the responsibility of raising kids, which is a central theme to Spider-Man. So be out of me. 662 is wrapping up the traffic light villain storyline. Uh, this one is written by the same folks. And did you guys read this as it possibly being an issue that they save for Avengers Academy and they just put it in here because slots late? Or do you think they specifically wrote it for Amazing? Because it has a fill-in issue type of feel. Yeah. And, and fact, I, yeah. Go ahead, Stella. Oh, I was just going to say, it's, you know, this is the Spider-Man show. I think that's one of my things. And this was not at all the Spider-Man show. It was Spider-Man being a guest in his own yeah, book. Yeah. And, and the, I think it was written for amazing yeah. because they take the time out last issue to introduce you to all these kids. And I don't think that they would have done that if this would have been Avengers Academy because, hey, we already know who these kids are yeah. if you're reading that that's book. That's true. Uh, it's an, another example of, uh, Spider-Man taking a back seat, though, which is, what are we going on, month four now? Or month two, because there's two issues a month. Anyway, uh, J.R., you, li- you said this part was better than the first. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I, I, I'm trying to, trying to keep this as simple as possible, because uh, I've ranted and raved quite a bit. But I, I really liked Spider-Man acting like the mature adult in this issue. Yeah. 
and taking charge. And even though it differs kind of from my personal perspective, I liked Spider-Man telling these kids, I'm not giving up on any of you. Yeah. You know, I mean, my, I, like I said, I have a per, certain law and order bent. You know, I have a different perspective, but I like it when Spider-Man is better than me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I like it when spite, I mean, you know, I, I like it when my, when, when the hero, you know, try, uh, has a, has a, 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 a more noble, uh, more compassionate, uh, stance than I do. But I do like the fact that he's saying, you know, I've been through a lot in my life and I know that you've been through a lot in your life and I know you can beat this. I know you can handle this. I like it. I like him being the older brother mentor figure. I think that for Spider-Man, who's been Spider-Man for however many years the Marvel Universe has gone on, I like this this Spider-Man. I don't like the young, always bumbling, always screwing up, always looking like an utter and complete moron Spider-Man that far too many writers seem to enjoy writing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I really kind of like the, the bent with this with this story, you know, and how he how he helped these kids overcome their fear and anger. Um, a little bit confused on the ending where they say how great everything was, and then they say you want Spider-Man to come back, and everybody says no. <laughs> and it's like that. I can see Spider-Man saying that, you know, but I, I, I'm not sure I understand the Avengers Academy all saying that, since basically he just helped pull them, you know, what you know he did something real great for him, and then they're saying, but no, we don't want him back. It seems that it's kind of like. A pun, you know, yeah. it's like let's end the story on a pun and let's go on. Uh, but overall, I, I, I gave this, a, I gave this a B. I, I did, I did like this, uh, this part. Okay. Ratoni, what do you think? I like this better than the last issue, where as opposed to Spider-Man being whiny the whole time, he was very in control here, and you know, wasn't really all that panicky about the dangerous situation that was at hand. He very uh, meth- methodically, I, I don't know if I'm saying the word right, you know handled everything one by one, like when he saw that uh, the girl in the radiation suit was about to take it off. He didn't even think or hesitate or freak out. He just webbed her into her containment suit, threw her in the dumpster. He handled things, you know, in a very, very intelligent way. I wish that we would have had some Peter Parker stuff in here. I mean, as much as some people like her, hey, Carly, heck, this book could have benefited from an appearance at Horizon Labs or an appearance of Carly Cooper or even Aunt May, you know, giving a speech about responsibility or something. Uh, I don't I, – I like it when we see more of Peter Parker's civilian identity in the books. And like J.R., I did not like the pun that this ended on. I know that Spider-Man's always been a fun-loving character and that it's always had sitcom qualities, but it should never be too much like a sitcom. And that was like a sitcom ending where, like, it freezes and says, executive producer, you know. <laughs> Steve Wacker. Joe Quesada yeah. <laughs> and Steve Wacker and Tom, and Tom Brevoort. It's... Did you hear the little the, the horn at the end? No! <laughs> oh, I heard the laugh track. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and the ending was so cliche too. Like, how many times have we had stories like this where somebody's like, I'm sorry I failed. And then the person's like, are you kidding? This was the best day ever. You didn't fail us. There's been so many variations of that. So, and I don't feel that. And I know that in fiction, stories get reused and reused a lot. But if you're going to reuse a concept, you need to at least add something new to it. And I don't feel that they did that here. But Spider-Man being whiny last issue is what made it a D for me. This is a lot better, and Spider I like Spider-Man being in control, but the story didn't wow me too much, so I'm only going to give it a C+. Plus. Okay. I'm going to give it a B also. Uh, did anybody give it a B? I think J- Stella did. Yeah, I gave it a, I gave it a Stella, B. Stella, what would you give it? 
Is this 662 yeah. now? Yes. Okay, I didn't get to talk about it yet. <laughs> okay, the majority of the thread on the review on the message board is Brad has lost his freaking mind. <laughs> well, it's understandable. Um, I'm multitasking. Oh, go ahead, Stella. What's, yeah, what's and you have a sick a sick baby too, so obviously. Um, so pro, yeah, pro. I think that overall the lesson uh, that it had was worthwhile, and I thought the end was kind of kind of fun, where you know he felt uplifted in the end, and then um, Ant Man, I guess, asked, "So, do you want to come back?" And everyone shouts, "No!" I thought that was kind of cute. The con is, I think it did in two issues what it could have done in one in my opinion. I thought that the fight was really drawn out and all these doubts and everything. Um, and it, it again, I, I'll just say that it made Spidey guest star in his own book, which I thought was strange. But I did think it was uh, better than um, than 661. So I'll give it a B plus. So that is my grade. Okay. Uh, I'll give it a B also. Uh, kind of like JR said, I like the heroic side of Spider-Man where he was wrestling a reptile and I'm not going to give up on you. Your name is Humberto Ramos. No, Humberto Lopez. I'm sorry. You're in an adventure. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to take a chance now and it might end really badly, but I'm kind of out of options. So there's something I want you to remember. You're a good kid, a hero. I don't blame you. Don't blame yourself. And that snaps him out of it. And, and that is what Spider-Man's about. He's a hero that takes responsibility for kids. It uh, for, takes responsibility for any action, etc. He's not a creepy loser like Kevin said years ago. Uh, Con, uh, uh, what I've been saying for the last several months is he's a uh, guest star. He's a Marvel team up in an amazing book. Uh, that ends in the next review, but still, it's still felt this is very fill-in. There's nothing. I don't think six issues from now, Spider-Man will go, oh, you remember that time with the Avengers Academy? No. This really had nothing impactful to the long-term of Spider-Man, etc. Uh, you know, we didn't hit up any of these backups. Did anybody like the one with the guy with the big glove in the back of this one? Did you? Did you I, I, thought, I thought it was okay. It was okay, I guess. How, how did Peter know that that guy was going to, like... The Magnetic Man is his name. Who knows? You see in Peter's pocket the newspaper, yeah. like, and it circled the article about the guy, so it's implied he's been following him, so he didn't run into him by accident. But if he didn't run into him by accident, how did he know that this guy was going to rob that bank at that time? Yeah. Or was it a coincidence? And if it was a coincidence, then why was the newspaper article there? It's... Yeah, it's, you paid an extra buck for it, <laughs> but you're not anymore. Uh, let's see, six six. Man, there are a lot of books this month, and there, this review section's gone on forever. Uh, six sixty three. Slot is back with an artist I've never heard of. His name is Mister uh, Giuseppe Camunocoli. Never heard of him before. Anybody ever heard of him? No. Um, Anti Venom's back. With a what's the name of this character that's in the the purple that looks like Wrath Wrath with or is it Wraith? Oh, I thought it was Wraith. Yeah, there's an eye um, in there. So. so Wraith and she's got the face or he I don't know has the face of Gene DeWolf and Aunt May has a heart attack again and goes in, into an ambulance. Uh, Stella, we'll start with you since I forgot you last time. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, let's see, let me flip to my notes. 
I let's see. The pro I think would be art. Um, there were definitely some great creative panels, like him hopping around when he's really excited about being in the scientific journal, and then the other one where it shows his kind of split personality, where the Spider-Man half is with the Avengers, and then the white half is with the Futuristic Foundation, which, by the way, is probably the stupidest name for a team I've ever heard of. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a decent story, and I I actually kind of enjoyed having anti-Venom as a quasi-hero. Um, and, and, you know, it is nice to hope that at one point maybe Mr. Negative will actually uh, be outed. Who knows when that's going to happen. A hundred plus issues. We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I know, right? As my con, Gene DeWolf as Wraith. I, I don't know what's going on, but I hope it's sorted out. It just doesn't seem like a good use of her character and bringing her back to life, but I guess we'll find out. I would also say that Aunt May collapsing, like Zach said, for like the 50th time is a little disconcerting, but I guess we'll see. But overall, I would give this an A-, and I think really the art is the thing that did it for me. JR, you like Gene DeWolf back? Allegedly. I was about to say, who hasn't come back these days? I'm, uh, I was about to say, I'm still, I'm gonna actually hold out for Uncle Ben and Gwen these days if Gene well, comes ben, back. Ben came but, back uh, with the, that friendly neighborhood. Remember, he, she was on a date with Jarvis? Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, I, but Peter David was, was writing that one, and I knew there was no way Peter David was, was gonna do something like that. Peter but, David, uh, yeah, Gene DeWolf. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I actually feel very schizophrenic about this story. Because there's a lot of things I don't like, but there's a lot of things I do, and I'm gonna wind up giving it a B because it's just, it's got some thing, it's got a lot of things I'm interested to see how they play out. I, I'm interested to see how this, this Wraith slash Gene DeWolf thing plays out because it actually in a bizarre kind of way makes sense. I mean, if you remember how Gene first debuted. Uh, back in Marvel Team Up uh, number 48 to 51, uh, her brother, uh, Brian, uh, was the Wraith. I, I'm trying to think if they actually, did he have the name back then or Holy not? Holy cow, I didn't but even know that, JR. I think he did. Yeah. The, yeah, the was Wraith a, was is a, a previous character? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's clearly a knockoff on Brian DeWolf. I mean, yeah. and I think. Holy cow. And, and you know, and then like I think he was the quote unquote the wraith when he was killed by the scourge of justice or the scourge of uh, you know of, of uh, gr- uh, waxy buildup or something like that. But uh, you know, no, I mean, and, and Brian had these uh, these powers, these psychic powers, and uh, there was, um, I mean, th- there is there is a historical there is a historical continuity context to put all oh, this yeah. in. So it's I'm interested to see where it goes. Whether or not Gene comes back, I don't really care because here's another case where they never adequately replaced her. You know, it's like when Harry died. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean you know, it, in, in, the, in this context of that particular story, it made sense for Harry to die, but they never replaced him with another good friend. So, uh, you know, what was the point? Of, you know, so they brought Harry back, and it's fine. So if they bring Jean back, they haven't had they haven't had a good character to replace her. So why not? But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm getting it off subject here. Uh, so I kind of like that mystery. I kind of like the fact that maybe the Mister Negative thing is finally maybe finally getting to its resolution because they've never really. I think the whole Mister Negative was a good idea. The fact that he's this this uh, in one identity he's he's this saintly person in another identity he's this evil mastermind because I thought that there was possibilities with the character you know is he aware of both identities you know is 
is there a, a true conflict going on between him? He wants to be good, but he's bad, or he's bad, and he wants to be something. It never really worked out. It never really has been handled. I'm kind of anxious to see it end. Maybe it's going to end. So I'm kind of, I mean, I, I like where I see that going. Frankly, anti-venom bores me. You know, I mean, can he, did he really say this? Criminals beware. You are the, the disease and I am the cure. <laughs> did he really say that? Actually, Slot said oh. it for him. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, I'm just shocked here. I'm, I looked up Brian DeWolf in the Wikipedia and I, I, I guess I didn't even know she had a brother. It says, uh, quote, when his sister Jean was killed by the Sin Eater, uh, who was also a policeman, much like Brian. The Wraith was driven mad with grief, and he decided to take vengeance on the whole New York Police Department. When he arrived at a police station, he was shot by the scourge of the underworld, who was disguised as a policeman and attempting to murder Flash Thompson. His original form was destroyed, but he later transferred his mind into the body of another. He led the Vampire Layers Club against police, but was killed again by Morbius. The Wraith was later among the 17 criminals, all murdered by the scourge, to be resurrected by the Hood using the power of Dormammu as part of a squad assembled to eliminate the Punisher. While the Wraith was scouting the city, the Punisher shot him in the chest with an arrow. Uh, <laughs> that is the whoa, history whoa, of Brian whoa. DeWolf. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Anyway. But, you know, and, and, yeah, as about to say, and even though, even though it may collapse again, yeah. the fact is she, she kind of comes to her wits pretty, pretty soon, early and, and tells Peter, you know, hey, if somebody needs help, you know, you take care of it because that's what your uncle and I raised you to yeah. do. And it's like, you know what? That's how Aunt May would handle it. And that's how Aunt May would handle him being Spider-Man. So, you know what? Have her find out he's Spider-Man again. Come on. You know, she's a moron if she didn't figure it out. <laughs> um, so, but I'm really bugged by the, the scene with Peter and Carly in bed. I really am. I mean, uh, I mean, I admit to certain puritanical tendencies, uh, but I also have, uh, also have, uh, you know, you know, have done a few things in my nearly 50 plus years. This just doesn't seem right. The relationship just does not seem to have progressed to the point where they would be living together. Uh, and frankly, th- this whole thing with Carly going back a couple of issues where she tells Peter, you know, I went to Horizon and you weren't there, blah, blah, blah. You know, to me, that's why I never wanted to see Peter single again, because it's all this doomed to fail scenario crap. We've seen this before. Yeah. You know, we've seen this. And if you're going to interrelate, I mean, I know that if you're Spider-Man and you go out on a date with a person, you know, you're not going to say, oh, by the way, I don't have AIDS and I'm Spider-Man. Okay, (laughs) you don't do that. But I'm sorry, if you're serious about a relationship, you know, that's, you know, you're a fool if you don't bring this up. You know, if he is serious, if he is serious about this girl, he's got to be honest. Could that scene be replaced with Mary Jane putting on her boots and kissing him on the forehead and going out to work? Absolutely. Exactly. I mean, it's like it doesn't. It doesn't. Exactly. Good point. It doesn't need to be. They don't need to be unmarried. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. You know. And besides, where does? Ah, forget it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I gave this. <laughs> uh, Josh, what do you think, man? Okay. Um. What was that one? I had a. I had a very particular note based on something that you said. I just lost it. Um. It about Ryan DeWolf. Yeah, I think it was about oh, it was about Aunt May's heart attacks. Yeah. And Jr., I'm gonna I'm gonna need your help on this one. Actually, uh, Uh-oh. is this her first heart attack since the Clone Saga? Uh, well, she really didn't have a heart attack during the Clone Saga. She had a stroke, I think. Uh, on the floor around 400, right? Yeah, I right. think that was a, I think that was a stroke. Because uh, I don't no, think I, she had any heart attacks or strokes in the reboots, and definitely not since Brand New Day. No, I'm trying to. She think. even put on she, an uh, Iron Man costume. At one point. Yeah. 
in uh, in the uh, issue in the Green Gob the Bart Hamilton Green Goblin story uh, one seventy six to one eighty. I'm thinking that might be the last time she actually had something that you know where she said my heart yeah. because. That's uh, after that time, you know, she spent some time in the hospital. And then I think, oh, yeah, she started having another heart attack when the, the rocket racer and Spider-Man burst in. Uh, but then I think that's when Roger Stern, after, you know, I've, you know, she was in her nursing home. Then she went through that whole thing with the burglar. And then I think Roger Stern came in and he said, you know what? I'm going to do something different with her and not have her on death's door all the time. Because people, every time I see people, they say, is Aunt May dead yet? <laughs> and, uh, and he said, why do people want this old woman dead? You know, and he says, and yeah, and I went back and read a bunch of issues and it's like, yeah, she's this old, you know, she's this parasitic albatross. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so I think, I'm trying to think that may be, that may be the last time her heart has been an issue is way back in uh, the uh, at the end of the Lynn Wayne beginning of the Marv Wolfman run. Yeah, good catch, Bertone. Yeah, just it's one of those jokes that people make, like, "Oh, Aunt May's having a heart attack again." But when you sit down and think about it, this it hasn't happened as often. And I do give them props for not playing the Aunt May in the hospital card during the last hundred and something issues they held off this long, yeah. but. Wasn't neat. Um, I like the whole theme of Spider-Man trying to burn the candle on all ends. Like, actually acknowledge, like, throughout the thing, he's like, oh, I should spend more time with Carly. Oh, I should be doing more for Horizon Labs. Oh, I should be, no, I like that. And this issue feels like, now back to our regularly scheduled program, after all this Fantastic Four stuff and Avengers Academy, this was very much a Spider-Man story, you know, in his world. And I even like seeing Eddie Brock again, which, and I'm, I've never, I've liked Eddie Brock, but I've never been a huge fan of him. But I was actually happy to see, you know, him as opposed to, I don't know, someone else. The Carly and Peter in bed together scene, I like how this was done as opposed to how it could have been done like 30 or 40 issues ago. Like when we had Spider-Man and the Black Cat, like she had her mask on and he had his mask on and they were naked in the bed together. Mm -hmm. Or with Michelle Gonzalez where she runs out and like, you know, she has a blanket wrapped around, you know, this... The way that they portray that these two characters had sex as opposed to how it would have been portrayed during Random Day, this was much more tasteful and much more what I've accustomed to in comics from, I guess, quote-unquote, the old days. Yeah. What's your grade? Uh, I'm going to give this a B. This was, um, by the way, I, I think my theory is is that this rat Wraith character, mm-hmm. it's... um. I think that it's uh, Captain Watanabe. Well, what do we yeah. call her? Captain Watanabe. She made an appearance in this issue. Yeah. And, uh, and Carly says, only we know about that Gene DeWolf mask that supposedly got destroyed. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that I think that it's her because she kind of acts a little suspicious. And Carly, it looks like Carly like plants a tracer on her or something or steals her cell phone. Yeah. So I, I like how Carly's sol- solving her own mysteries. You know, she kind of has her own story going. Right. Let me let me uh, ask a question here. Uh, there was a Gene DeWolf mask floating around. I mean, I, I thought that she showed, the Captain Watanabe or whatever showed Spider Man a picture of Gene DeWolf and said they were bringing her back. But but what's the mask thing? Uh, l- there... Let me go back to that scene. Okay. Uh, let, let, let me. Uh... Because what does Carly say? Gene was next on the list. He had the gag ready. There was a mask. Only Yumi and Spider-Man knew about it. So, yeah, Carly says that there was a mask. Oh, and then what Tommy says, I destroyed it. Yeah. Which feeds right into Bertone's and then, theory. And trust me, because Cooper, you're overthinking you know she things. did. <laughs> yeah. And then, then 
uh, Carly puts a phone in her pocket? I can't tell if Carly's taking her phone or taking the phone from her pocket, and how would putting the phone in her pocket work? What does that, what did she mean there? That's strange. Now see, I hope they don't go where she's, Watanabe's being a bad guy or a crazed vigilante or something, because it's, it's actually nice to have a a character in the police force that doesn't think Spider-Man's a crook. And now what, they're gonna, they're gonna turn her into a criminal or a loon or whatever and boot her up? Then you'll lose that character in the supporting cast again. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I'll give it a C plus. I like the fact that we're back to stuff that impacts Spider-Man. He's actually the star of his own book. Uh, just not digging anti-venom. I, I, I don't. I, I don't like that type of venom. I like the uh, amazing 298 to 300 venom. I don't like the lethal protector. Bra- Bravo to Bertoni and. Um, JR for bringing up the Wraith. I had totally forgot about that character. I didn't, I thought this was a whole new character, uh, brought onto us, but it's, you guys know the minor characters in the, in the history. I, I, I applaud you for that. Um, I didn't like the artwork as much as Stella did. I, I, I miss Ramos. I never thought I'd say that, but I like Ramos's stuff better than this. It wasn't the worst stuff. Um, Mike McCone was a little bit better. He just didn't have as good a script to work with. So, C out of me on this one. We've got some nice iTunes reviews. Uh, I've read some horrible ones that people hated us in the past, but the people like us this month. Uh, Spencer wrote this one. I don't know if it's JR's son, but Spencer wrote... Uh, the podcast, five out of five stars. This was the first podcast I ever listened to, and it's the best of all of them. Being a huge Spider-Man fan, and a huge Marvel fan for that matter, it's a complete joy to listen to what other people have to say about our friendly, well, you know. But the point is, each if the people bring a certain thing to the show, Stella knows her literature and gives a rare female imperc- impression. Well, you're, you're not impersonating a woman. You really are a woman. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, JR, my fellow Green Goblin fan, is just badass. He is able to give so many points that make, makes one think. Bailey is able to get me hooked on DC, even though I rarely pick them up. Zach is the clone saga expert. Kevin is an amazing writer. And Brad is the host... Uh, ever bringing it all together nicely. Whenever George comes on as a substitute, just be prepared to laugh out loud. Whether you're a fan of Spider-Man or just looking to get into a good podcast, I recommend the Crawl Space Podcast. Thanks for the great entertainment and keep up the legendary work. Wow, thank you, Spencer. That was nice. Uh, Gene, five out of five stars. Spidey PR likes it. I love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Like I said in my review of the previous version of the podcast, listening listening to you guys is like sitting at the family dinner table and discussing Spider World events. So when a new podcast is loaded into iTunes, it's like Thanksgiving and Christmas all rolled into one. Awesome. Thank you, Gene. Uh, Joe Bolin gave the podcast five out of five stars. Subject is, if you love the wall crawler, dot, dot, dot. Then he goes on to say, you will love this podcast. I don't read a lot of comics, but I haven't missed an issue of Spider-Man uh, in a dozen or more years. This podcast gets so much right. New episodes are regularly posted. There is a good interaction with the fans through the associated website. And the host and panel members are knowledgeable about Spidey and the history. Well worth a subscription. So thank you, Joe. And our last one for the month uh, is from George Elias Emery. Five out of five star subject is, I'm in love. <laughs> Uh, he says, quote, I've been a Spider-Man fan my whole life, but have not been able to read the comics for the last couple of years since I'm starting law school. 
I've listened to every one of the podcast episodes and will continue to do so until Brad stops putting them out. I appreciate the different perspectives from the older JR to the younger ones who are my age. I understand some of the negative comments who dislike the podcast always seem negative. It's fair to say that this podcast is generally happy that this podcast is not generally happy with the current state of the spider books, but I'm not either, so it doesn't bother me. However, none of the gang will give a negative comment without backing up. There's always a why behind the bad reviews, so I think the criticism of those reviews is unwarranted. Personally, I tend to agree with nearly everything they come to a consensus on. In all, it's a great podcast, the only one I follow consistently, and I love each member's contributions, and I've always universally liked the guest interviews. Since I can't read the comics anymore, this is a great way to keep up with Peter and the rest of the Spider Universe. So thank you, George. That's very nice. If you'd like to re- leave an iTunes review, just go into iTunes, click on Podcasts, search for Spider-Man, and it's the very first thing that came up. That comes up. And over the last couple days, I've been adding the old shows to our feed. We're currently up to episode number 40. Uh, it takes a long time to upload these files. They're me- megabytes, and when, when you upload a whole bunch of them at a time, it turns into several gigabytes. So it, uh, it takes a while for me to upload them. But my goal is to get every one of them since issue or since episode number one up on the iTunes feed. So. If you want to leave a review, good, bad, or indifferent, I'll read it on a future show. So thanks for everybody. That was nice. Everybody had good comments this month. I like that. Okay, let's tackle the message board questions. Uh, we have two full pages of them this month, and if I can find them on the site. <laughs> Here it is. Still uh, has a link up. Ah, got it. The chat. Yeah. First one is from TNR105 from the Negative Zone. Hey, gang, BD, what did you think of the new Muppet movie trailer? What are your favorite Muppets, or who are your favorite Muppets? Uh, I, I thought the, the there's two trailers up. There's one that plays off of The Hangover, which was okay. And the love story one was okay. It just took a long time to get to that it was a Muppet movie. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm not a big fan of, what's the guy's name? Jason Siegel? Is that his name? That's in it? Oh, yeah. Not a big fan since I saw a full frontal nudity in that movie he was in with Ben Stiller. <laughs> I just don't find him that funny. But, uh, yeah, you know, I've seen every single Muppet movie in the movie theater. So, uh, I think I'll go see it. Uh, Favorite Muppet, obviously Kermit is mine. People say I'm more like Fozzie Bear. So waka, waka, waka. Uh, JR, which personality do you think is more evil, Norman Osborn or the Green Goblin? Uh, well, th- here's the thing. I don't think that they are separate personalities. Um, now, obviously, they were back in the amnesia days. But really, that was a very, very limited period of time. That was like Amazing Spider-Man 40 to 122. Uh, before and after Norman has, you know, pretty well fully known who and what he was, uh, psychic blind spot notwithstanding. Um, so I never really saw them as separate personalities. The Green Goblin is basically what the, 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 Norman puts that character on when he wants to do something that Norman Osborn cannot do. You know, when he wants to, when he wants to interact with mobsters or when he wants to beat the crap out of somebody in public or he wants to just make a, a flying spectacle of himself, he becomes the Green Goblin. So, you know, I've never really, I mean, the evil is always Norman Osborn. 
you know, he's your villain. He's your super villain. The Green Goblin is just a manifestation, whether it's that or the Iron Patriot or whatever. It's just a particular manifestation that Norman chooses to show, you know, to reveal to the world when he wants to do something he doesn't feel suit and tie wearing Norman Osborn can do. So. Yeah. Stella, what do you think of the announcement that Catwoman will be a playable character in Batman Arkham City? I think it should be fun. Um, you know, it's awesome being able to play as Batman, obviously, but I think it's nice to switch up and have a particular character, if only for a short while. And just looking at the, the trailer, it looks like she has a pretty unique moves list and everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. so I'm looking forward to it. I never downloaded the Joker for the first one. Did you download play as the Joker? Was that any fun? No, I did not. I didn't either. So I've been wanting to ask you while I, I, we're talking about video games, have you bought Infamous 2? I have not. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Because I know you love that first one. I haven't played it yet. Even yeah, though I not own it. from a <laughs> lack of desire, but just uh yeah. It's money. getting good reviews, I think. Yeah, I think it got a 10 out of 10 on IGN. So. There you go. Uh, Bertoni, what do you think of Cassandra Cain's role in Gates of Gotham and her adopting the persona of Black Bat? I have no idea what that means. <laughs> uh, that, 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 that's her new alias. They call her Black Bat now. And, you know, we'll see how long that lasts with the DC new coming up. But it's – I think that it's great that somebody's using her. And that's the thing. No one ever says, oh, what do you think of the fact that, you know, Tim Drake's being used in this miniseries? Because, like, Cassandra's just used, like, so little that when she gets, like, a few pages in, like, something like Batman Incorporated or Gates of Gotham, it's a really big deal. And it's sad because this is a character who has a very big fan base that is constantly ignored and – I mean, I think use her all the more, and I'm not actually, like, a huge Cassandra fan myself, but I'm friends with lots of huge Cassandra fans, and I've seen these people on the Internet, and it's made me, like, take notice of this character, and I I just feel bad for her fans because of the way that they've been shafted, but I'm glad that, you know, she's getting some exposure now while she still can. Uh, To everyone, what did you think of Thor and X-Men? I thought Thor was awesome. I saw it Mm -hmm. in 3D, and I, I, I didn't think that it... It was worth the extra three bucks, unlike Avatar where it was shot in 3D. But still, great, great uh, film. I was surprised how much humor there was in it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Cap. X-Men I haven't seen. Uh, Stella, you saw X-Men, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I saw both of those. What did you think of Thor? Yeah, oh, midnight. I thought nice. Thor was well done, and mm-hmm. I, and Thor was the one character that I thought would be the 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 campiest, you know, because just no just doubt. the the nature of the character. But it turned out so well, and I really liked the way they did the Rainbow Bridge and everything. And X Men, yeah. you know, we talked about this a little bit. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. Obviously, it exceeded my expectations. I was kind of scared. What is this going to be like? I do miss the original first class, but yeah. I think Magneto and Xavier were just great. Well done. JR, you haven't seen either one, right? No, I haven't. And Josh, have you seen either one? Yeah, um, actually, I, I, it took me a while to get to see X-Men. I saw it two nights ago, and luckily I got paid to see it thanks to my job, which, you know, sometimes has some benefits like that. And I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed X-Men a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, I thought it was very, very well done, and, um, I had to take one of the kids at work to see it, and uh, I explained to him, like, on the way to the car that, like, the Cuban Missile Crisis was actually a real thing, but no, like, the, uh, Professor Xavier did not make, you know, <laughs> the Russians blow up their – spoiler alert, the Russians right. blow up their own sub. Uh, <laughs> Thor was a fun movie, too. You know, I'm, I'm loving yeah. these Marvel movies, and I'm loving how they're building their own, like, universe within the movies, and I really, really hope that, like, they don't drop the ball because I think that they have a good thing going with the I Marvel agree. 
cinematic universe. I even like the Hawkeye cameo. I thought that was cool. Uh, TNR wants us to do Muppet impressions. He wants me to do Kermit. Hi, old. This is Kermit the Frog for Sesame Street News. That's all I got. JR, can you do Statler or Waldorf, the old guys up in the balcony? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. About, I don't know whether or not to be offended with the typecast. But, uh, <laughs> it, it, I, 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 w- I would have been happy to if I'd had a few lines of material prepared, but I, but I don't. Yeah. So, Stella, uh, can you do Beaker? <laughs> my favorite Beaker line is in Muppets from Space when they put the invisible stuff on everybody. And Dr. Bunsen Honeydew goes, it's only temporary. And then Bun- Beaker goes, only temporary, only temporary. All right, sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Bertoni, can you do Fozzie? I can try. Waka okay. waka. There you go. Proto Goblin from we don't know where. To the gang, if you were put in charge of organizing a party for the heroes of the Marvel and DC universes, what would you do to make this, partly to- this party totally awesome for them? Huh. <sighs> Stella, do you have any party planning experience? <laughs> uh, probably have somebody pop out of a cake. There you, like the black cat out of a milk bath, you know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jar, what would a Marvel, what would a Norman Osborn party be like? That'd be fun. Oh, my heavens. Maybe like cupcakes in the in the form of uh, pumpkin, ball, pumpkin bumps. <laughs> pump, pump, pump. I don't Damn know. It, I don't cupcakes. Know. <laughs> what would a Superman party be like, or a, a Batgirl party? I don't know. All right. The, mo- the most awesome superhero party would be you get Magneto, mm-hmm. you get Norman Osborn, and you get Victor Von Doom. You tie all three of them up, and they're just in the middle of this room, this whole party, and the superheroes can go by, do whatever they want to them. They can kick them in the face. Make they them pin on them. <laughs> they can draw on their faces. It's, you know, th- nice. th- that would be a fun party for them. Wow. Uh, BD, what are my top five Spider-Man artists? Oh, wow. Um... John Romita Jr. and Sr., Todd McFarlane, uh, that's three, Sal Buscema, um, Ditko? Yeah, Ditko. <laughs> Ditko is actually below the other ones. I, I like Romita Jr. and Sr. better than Ditko, but yeah, Ditko's up there. JR, which of these two names for Spider-Man themed finishing move do you like more? The arachnophobia or the goblin pimp slap? Also, when are we getting a new articles from you? I've been having withdrawals for months and I need my fix. So the pimp slap or the arachnophobia? <laughs> oh lord. Um I was about to say, I think I have some laundry to do. Um, oh my gosh. I, I'm not going to answer that first one. Uh, the second, the second one I'll answer later because I think somebody else has asked the question about the articles. I'll, okay. I'll answer it then. Okay. Stella, if Barbara Gordon starts walking again and becomes Batgirl again in the DC Newverse, what will your reaction be to this? Well, it's happened. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, oh boy! Um, you should tune in probably to episode twenty-three when I discuss this in at the end of June. Actually, um, what is my reaction going to be? I'm all over the place. I feel very schizophrenic about it because, on the one hand, I mean, I love Barbara Gordon and I love her as Batgirl, so I'm really excited about it. But on the other hand, man, I love Stephanie Brown. She has made so much progress as her role in the Batgirl cowl. So. 
you know, she's kind of getting shafted just like Cassandra got shafted at the beginning. So it's just like this terrible cycle. But what if I'm we really put keeping... That, what if we huh? put that Stephanie Brown... What's her name? Stephanie Brown. What if we put her in the wheelchair? Will that just in be the bad? wheelchair? It's not going to happen. If they're going to okay. make a new Oracle, it's going to yeah. be Wendy because she. that's already been... The place has been kind of open Who, for Who's Wendy? Throughout. Besides my wife. When, <laughs> <laughs> Brad, did you ever watch the Super Friends? Um, yeah. Do you remember Wendy and Marvin? Yeah, with the with the the dog. Wonder yeah, dog. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're not you're not going to believe me when I tell you this, but no they way. had a team. They brought them into continuity, and the dog turned out to be a demon, and it ate Marvin. <laughs> did this actually happen? And like. And it put Wendy in the hospital, and then eventually she lost the use of her leg. So she's kind of been like Barbara Gordon's protege. Yep. But yeah, they brought Wendy and Marvin from Super Friends in the continuity and had Wonder Dog eat Marvin. It was uh, that's, that's DC. Spin too. Yeah. Huh? And, and the the daughter of Calculator, right? Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 they're Calculator's kids. Super yeah. Friends were so unpopular. They brought in the Wonder Twins with the yes. Galit the monkey. Oh, is it? Is this in the same universe where Morbius gets eaten by the shark? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, Billy Connors gets eaten by his dad. Yes. Oh Tony, who's worse, Betty Brandt or Carly Cooper? Oh boy. Okay, you're asking the guy who is publishing a series of articles called "Bertoni Hates Betty." Who he thinks is worse, Betty Brandt or Carly Cooper? <laughs> Um, Carly's been a little schizophrenic. Yeah. yeah, Carly's been a little schizophrenic. She got a go- she almost got a goblin tattoo. Betty Brant left her husband on their honeymoon. So yeah, I'm going with Betty. <laughs> Betty. Also, when are Clone Sire Chronicles posting new episodes? I'm anxiously awaiting the epic fail that is sure to be the Scarlet Spider title episodes. Uh, we jump ship from Podomatic. We're switching over to Zach's server, which is Fack House. So when SpideyDude.com gets back up, that's where the new episodes are going to be. We actually have some episodes in the can that are already recorded and some new ones on the way. We just, uh, we're no longer using Podomatic because it's not cost effective and, you know, it's, we have better things to do with our money. But, uh, I'm glad that you're missing Clone Saga Chronicles because we're missing playing them out. So hopefully you'll enjoy those soon and, Check him out on SpideyDude.com during its inevitable revival. Yeah, the thing about Podomatic is it was a nice service for a beginning podcast, which is what mm-hmm. I started on. But the more popular the get, the more popular you get, the more you have to pay for it. And I, at one oh. point, it was like three hundred bucks plus a year. Oh dear. What I was paying, and as opposed to when I hopped over to Fat Cow, which is uh, unlimited bandwidth. So for like eighty a year for my website and the podcast. So. That's why I jumped to save money. Uh, JGC from Montreal, Canada. To everyone, do you think Marvel will ever do what DC plans to do in September? Reboot their entire universe? Not under this editorial team, but never say never. No. <laughs> well, I they, wish Bailey were here. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if if they the number ones across the board sell like gangbusters, if they go to like. 300,000, which is like what Civil War did um, for an issue. Don't you think Marvel will make number ones all over? I mean, they do it all the time. They just haven't done uh, a line-wide number one. But then the annoying thing is they always seem to go back to the original numbering. That's because they can sell another extra copies of a 600th issue as opposed to number 52 issue or something like that. I I think it's... (laughs) 
No, go ahead, Jerry. You had it. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's a sooner rather than later thing. I think mm-hmm. inevitably Marvel will do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I just don't see how they can't. You know, and my perspective on this actually has been slowly been changing as I've been getting older. When I when I first started ranting and raving, you know, ten fifteen years ago, it was like, you know, how how can they do this? Blah blah blah. But now that I'm almost fifty, and now that Spider Man has been around for almost fifty years, and it's like, yeah. how at one point at some point in time, how can they not? Yeah. Um, because they, you know, you, you can't. For people my age, you cannot – Marvel and DC cannot care what people my age think. They just absolutely cannot. Uh, I'm at the end of the bell curve as far as the reading audience. If I'm along for the ride, fine, but they cannot take what I think into uh, context, and they've got to think about where their next readers and next market are coming from. Unfortunately, Marvel just just has a tendency just to shoot itself in the foot with bad PR and so many times, but – I think it depends on how successful DC is with this. If it, if it falls on its ass, then you know later. If DC if it's very successful, then Marvel will do it sooner. Do you think long term JR it's harmful to the the collector? No, because. Well, I, do you think they the, the people wait. like me and you drop off when we have to start over with the number one instead of a six hundred issue? Maybe we do, Brad, no. because I thought about if that happened. Yeah, I would probably quit, but. Mm-hmm. They can. I hate to say this. There's a point in time where they've got to kiss me goodbye. That's true. They can't. They can't want to hang on to me. You and and the Bertonis and the Zacks and the Stellas. Mm-hmm. You're kind of in a little bit. Of course, you and Bailey are old guys too. You're over thirty. <laughs> uh, but the the twenties, the, the Stellas and the Zacks and the Kevins and the Bertonis. That's a little bit harder to. Uh, you know, where are those people kind of in their in yeah. their collecting history? You know, would they be open to? A, a reboot or you know have they are they so invested in the continuity that has existed so far those are good questions i mean it's it's i would hate to be running either one of these publishing companies at this point i really would i think uh, you and i jr are the diehards yep. i mean i don't think you and i are going to give it up anytime soon because we, we as you said you've been doing it for almost 50 years i've been doing it sadly almost 40 <laughs> i'm 36 now but i'm closer to 40 than i am 30 but uh, uh, if I didn't run a Spider-Man website, I I, yeah. I, I think I'm I'm not a normal collector. I guess. Well, oh, you're not Neither normal. You, period, right? Right? Uh, yeah, we're not <laughs> one of us are normal, right? No, exactly. <laughs> well, why, why do our twenty-somethings think? What would they? How would they react if Marvel kicked up and started yeah. over? Stella, what do you think? Well, first I'd be like, oh dear, are you copying DC? And I think they would. Um, <laughs> they think that as well if they did it so soon. Um, I, I get, I would probably feel the same way. Um, wondering why are you doing this? And also, again, just scared for which, uh, characters would be changed and which would be totally discarded. So, I mean, Spider-Man has already done this. So if they were to reboot it, I guess I wouldn't care because it's already been done. So, okay, it's going to be done again. But then you just wonder, you know, some of the characters that I've really fallen in love with, um, like Sharon Carter, but I guess that'd be pretty minor or spider woman you know what would happen with these or iron fist yeah the uh, uproar of the s- single spider-man may be lessened if the whole universe was rebooted as opposed to just what spider-man was yeah very right. true yeah joshua what, what, what's your what two cents I just hate looking through long boxes and like yeah. when you're counting your issues and it goes through issue 441, then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, then 59, 500. You know, like yep. 
these things need to be linear. It makes things confusing in long boxes with the renumberings. And if Marvel did reboots, um, I'd probably hold on for a little bit out of a curiosity factor, but I think my emotional investment would be gone. And if I was really not digging the new direction, I'd have a lot less incentive to keep on buying it. Should, and I, it would just why are we, out of my life. Why are we so hung up on numbers anyway? Why don't? What would happen if Marvel released a S- September 2011 Spider-Man? In October I'd be fine with that. 2011, yeah. Yeah, I think that they should do more like what magazines do and just make yeah. it like that. So instead of like, you know, one, number one, number this, number that, it's just make it more like magazines. Yeah. I know, part, yeah. part of that is because of the collector mentality that's mm-hmm. very much a part of comics, though. I mean, it's, it's, uh, they're almost, uh, inter- they're almost completely intertwined. Um, the thing, though, that bugs me is, is when you talk about reboots, is and, and listening to what the way DC talked about younger versions and then kind of adding more modern context, this kind of bothers me because it's it's like some of the origins are so basic you don't need you don't need to embellish them. Mm-hmm. You know when when Michael Brian Michael Bendis did his like seven part origin of Spider Man and Ultimate <laughs> Spider Man. Was it any better than what Stan and Steve did in 11 pages? And I'm not saying, you know, just because it happened 50 years ago, it has to be better now. But, you know, it's like Batman's origin. You know, Batman's parents are shot dead in front of him. He need, he, you know, he becomes Batman. Superman comes from, is an orphan from another planet raised by two old people and he learns truth, justice, and the American way. Spider-Man is bitten by a spider. Okay, whether it's genetic or radioactive, okay, kind of play with it. But you don't need to add a whole lot of window dressing to it. They're so simple. Yep and basic and the motives are so understood the the ones where you have problems are like with iron man perhaps where you had a whole lot of political mm-hmm. context surrounding that origin the fantastic four kind of has a political context you know trying to beat the commies into space and stuff but but it's not it's not too much but that's kind of what bothers me when they think they need to add, you know, if they were to start over, I don't think they should do like new origin stories, you know, just recap it in a couple pages and move on because you don't need, you don't, it, you don't need to embellish those origins because at their very core, they are, they are good. And you they, should and they tell yeah. the movie folks that with the new Spider-Man movie. <laughs> Yeah. Tell them that they yeah, don't need to actually, recast Martin Sheen again or Uncle Ben. Well, again. And, but talk about embellishing. I actually yeah. like what Sam Raimi and company did in the first Spider-Man film, the kind of embellishing they did, because when Peter said that real snarky thing to Ben, you know, when he said, well, stop trying to be my father, yeah. I mean, that was the last thing he ever said to Uncle Ben. Yeah. I mean, can you? I mean, that just compounds the agony he mm-hmm. feels and the torture he yeah. feels because he could never take that back. He never was able to say he was sorry. So I kind of like some embellishments do work, but for the most part, it's like, oh yeah, let's add a modern context. Let's make Peter Parker brooding instead of nerdy, and that makes it. You know, <laughs> oh. I was trying to think of the opposite of what you were saying, Jr. With the person with the most convoluted history, and uh, the character that came to mind instantly was Cable from the X Men. <laughs> that he was a baby that was sent to the future that got a techno virus that came back as a as a fifty year old man with a cybernetic arm that was Scott Summers' son who was older than Scott Summers anyway that if they tried to make a movie of that couldn't luck. Uh, I would think about it though. Our, the basic he, he's not one of the basic core heroes. Though. True. You know I mean he's Rob Liefeld's core, creation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I mean you know Batman, Superman, even Wonder Woman. Although that's kind of a 
Wonder Woman might be a little bit tricky, you know. But then again, I mean, it is an island of only women, you know. So the, the, the core heroes just really don't need their origins tinkered with. Themyscira, is that right, guys? Themyscira. There you go, damn it. <laughs> Poor lady spider. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like Paradise Island. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, hey, if I, landed, if I landed on an island full of six-foot women, I'd call it Paradise Island. Yeah, you I know? would I mean, call hey. it like a makeup product, like Themyscira. And that wraps up this episode. Before we go, I want to thank our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com, for helping us pay the bills. An example of the great prices this month is on the Spider-Man Next Chapter trade paperback. This one's written by John Byrne and Howard Mackey. It also has John Romita Jr. on pencils. Now, back in 1999, Marvel thought it'd be a great idea to renumber Amazing Spider-Man with a new number one. Does that sound familiar? Anyway, this one collects Amazing, number one to number six, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, number one to six, along with Thor, number eight. The cover price is 40 bucks. Mail order has it for just $24.79, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm Brad Douglas, your host and webmaster of the Spider-Man Crawlspace.com. Spider-Man